Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle and last class session we talked about uh, Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown and now we're going to go back to Robert Rodriguez and talk about um, what I think is a fairly overlooked film um, called The Faculty. One of the things about this movie is it was it was sort of a studio assignment. So Robert Rodriguez had signed with Miramax by this point. Yeah, I know that's a dirty word. And Miramax kind of owned the Christmas box office. Uh, but they were starting to do it with uh, thrillers and horror films. Uh, I think just the year before this movie came out, they had released Scream um, around Christmas, which had done really, really well. And they were already working towards Scream 2. But in the meantime, they needed another movie. And since Rodriguez had just released From Dust Till Dawn, just only a couple years before this, they thought, well, well, Robert could do a horror film. So Bob Weinstein, not Harvey, went to Rodriguez and told him this is what he was doing. You're going to make the faculty. And he, Robert wasn't really on board with that initially. He wanted to do Spy Kids and he wanted to work on his own scripts. He's, you know, I mean, he's a 90s independent filmmaker. If you listen to these guys, a lot of them talk about wanting to make their movies their way, and 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 he fits right into that that group, that that generation of filmmakers. But then he heard that the faculty had been written by Kevin Williamson, who was the guy who wrote Scream, and that really turned him around. Um, this script was supposed to be Kevin Williamson's debut, but because of all the heavy effects in it that kind of scared him off. Um, so they needed someone with an effects background. And since Rodriguez had just come off from Dust Till Dawn, which was super effects heavy, both practical and CG, it only made sense that Rodriguez would take this over. So Robert and Kevin Williamson sat down and, and worked on the script. In fact, from the book Robert Rodriguez interviews in, a, uh, in an interview aptly titled The Faculty, um, he says, Kevin Williamson and I both like the same kind of movies. And when I read this one, I realized this is the exact kind of movie I would have gone to see five times if I was 15 or 16 years old, like The Thane or Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's why I felt so comfortable doing this. And Kevin's scripts are just really good versions of those movies. Good dialogue, great characters, which is the most important part. And the story works really well. Kevin, so so Kevin Williamson and Robert Rodriguez sat down and kind of fleshed out the script together. It ran a little short. Um, they added this 12-minute long sequence, um, and Rodriguez said about that, he said, we added probably the best whole 12-minute sequence in the movie that stands out near the middle of it. It was something Kevin and I, it was something Kevin had already thought of, but didn't put in because he didn't think it would work. I told him I thought... It was what was missing, and sure enough, it's the biggest thing in the movie. And he never specifies exactly what that sequence is, but if it's what I think it is, it's it's the most memorable part of the movie. It's it's one of the best scenes in the movie. So yeah, one of the things about Robert Rodriguez that we're we're seeing this myth dispelled right here, and we saw it dispelled in From Dusk Till Dawn is. Yes, Robert Rodriguez does a lot of technical jobs on his own. He just kind of takes those over. But the thing is, is he he's still really good at collaboration. This is still a collaborative environment that he sets up. It's still a collaborative medium that he allows 
people to come in with ideas. It's just he tries to streamline the process, and that that tends to mean cutting out a lot of technical jobs and a lot of jobs that that could take away some of his vision, potentially. You know, he likes to write his own scripts. Well, from the initial writing process, he's already creating a vision of what that would look like. You know, so a lot of times he'll operate he'll operate the A camera, the main camera, and all that does is just streamline the process and help him get a little bit more control over his creative vision, you know, and then he'll edit his own films again because that helps him. It's a technical job, but it helps keep him it, it, it helps him keep control over the vision. But he's still collaborating. He's still collaborating, collaborating with other creative people. There's still jobs that he can't do that people come to him with ideas and he has to, you know, sift through them and figure out how to answer them. But yeah, he's not non-collaborative. That's the thing. He still understands that that he has weaknesses that he can't do. It's just the longer he's been in this business, the less he wants to rely on other people when he knows he can do just as good a job, which I think is fair to some extent. Um, plus, it keeps the budget slow. And by keeping the budgets low, he's that gives him more freedom. It's always easier for someone with money to invest in a low-budget movie because the returns are that much higher. It doesn't take much for a seven million dollar. It doesn't take much at the box office or in, or in well, home video market slowly dying, but or or in streaming distribution, it doesn't take much for a seven million dollar movie to make its money back. With it, with a return on investment, you know, it, it's really just like any other business. The lower overhead you have, the sooner you see profits. That's just all it is. So, one of the things that he that that Rodriguez has gotten very good at and very good at working with others on is effects. And it, like we said before, it was Robert Rodriguez's effects experience on From Dusk Till Dawn that that became so crucial to this film and because there was going to be so many effects he felt he needed to be as prepared as possible so that when he was on the set he wouldn't have to worry about anything and i can't stress prep enough whether you're doing an effects movie or a personal drama effects uh, or, <laughs> prep is so crucial it is absolutely necessary you have to know as much as you can about what's going to happen on the day when you get to the set as you can. Because part of it is you can't prepare for everything. But the more you're prepared for, the more you're prepared to tackle challenges as they arise that you that no one anticipated. You know, and, and if you look at a film like The Faculty, he's got like like nearly a dozen central cast members that he has to be prepared for how their dynamics should be working in the scene and not to mention their individual character work. He has to be prepared for that. He has to be prepared for all these effects. You know, he has to have his shots down because once again, he serves as the editor. And if he screws himself by not getting the right coverage, then he messed up. But if he, you know, and so it would be easy to over prepare and get too much coverage, but that's a waste of time and a waste of money. And when you're dealing with lower budgets, you can't afford to do that. Like prep is just so crucial and it will save you every single time. So, and then talking about editing, this film in particular, he said, 
Again, this is from the interview, The Faculty. On a drama, when on a drama, what you shoot on the set is is exactly what the movie is going to be later in the editing room. It's all performance or actor based. If I was doing a drama, I would turn it over to someone else for editing because the fun would be over. With this kind of movie, you have so much work to do after you're done filming for it to become what it needs to become. It's just a bunch of puzzle pieces, and I have to figure out how to put them together. Now, again, that's where prep comes in because you have to get the right puzzle pieces, right? But this is this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand about editing. And if you haven't spent much time in an editing, you know, editing yourself, it, it it's something that can easily get missed. A lot of people assume what happens is you have a script, you shoot that script, and then you take that script, set it down next to your computer, and then you assemble based on how the scene was written. Well, that's not really the case. Most people will tell you that a movie is written three times. It's written on the page, it's written on the set, and it's written in the edit. And you can f pretty much physically rewrite a scene in the edit. You can rearrange dialogue. Uh, to some extent, you can cut out entire pieces of dialogue and skip down to the next point. Um, I can't tell you how many times. Uh, just just watch a deleted or an extended scene on a Blu-ray or, or on a DVD or whatever. Just or, or you probably even find them on YouTube. Just pick one. Just pick a scene that that was originally longer than the one that's in the movie and notice where they cut out dialogue like pulp fiction is a great example of this there's a number of of extended scenes um on the disc that you can go to and there's additional dialogue in there that's good dialogue but it it just kept the scene going too long and so they just cut around it and they just cut out chunks of dialogue to help streamline the scene and get it down to a good pace and that's Pacing is crucial. Pacing is something that might work well on the page, but not work so well in the edit. May have felt really good on set, but doesn't feel so good once you get it into the computer. The other, and, and, and that's part of the puzzle pieces, is figuring out, do these puzzle pieces fit in not just an order, but do they fit at a pace that makes sense? But then there is the order, too. The puzzle pieces have to go in, I'm not going to say the right order, but they need to go in an effective order. So, for example, in this movie, you have, there's a number of scenes where there's like six characters together. And you need to put together these dramatic, susp suspenseful sequences in an effective order. And what you have to work with is, is you have their lines of dialogue, but you also have inserts. And you have reaction shots. You have wide shots. You have close-ups. You have medium shots. You have all this variety of coverage each shot telling a piece of the story and you, much like a writer, need to figure out what's the most effective way to reveal this story. If each shot was a word in a sentence, how do I order the words for the most impact? That's the real art behind editing because it's not just about the individual shots. It's about how are those individual shots ordered? What comes after what comes after what comes after what? And how are those shots interplaying between each other? It's like, for example, you could have a reaction shot of an actor and it may say in the script, you know, so-and-so reacts to so-and-so, but that doesn't mean that's where that shot has to go. You can take that reaction shot and put it after a different line. And now all of a sudden we're in a different scene because you've changed the character dynamics. And sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be bad, but figuring out the right, not the right, the the most effective order for the story you're trying to tell. That's the trick with editing. So with all that said, there was one other thing that came 
that that came out of the faculty. Much, much later in an interview, in Robert Rodriguez interviews, there's a there's an interview called Robert Rodriguez Talks Shorts. Shorts was a family movie he made much, much, much later. I haven't even seen it. Um, he said, I didn't really want to move. Now, he's talking about moving from Austin, Texas to Hollywood, California. I didn't really want to move, so I built up a crew for the faculty to just establish a crew and a base and a stage system. That was my first trial at really making movies in Austin. People come down there now, and they can't believe the setup we've got with the sound stages. I don't believe... I don't think there's another filmmaker who has got dedicated sound stages in the States. It's really a very rare thing. So what Robert's talking about there is the faculty was the first, his first attempt to set up his own studio system basically in Austin, which he now has. He shoots almost all of his stuff independently in Austin outside of Hollywood. And we're going to talk about what that meant for Rodriguez to leave Hollywood um, because it affects it, it heavily affects the next movie we're going to talk about, which is Spy Kids. And then we're going to talk about Spy Kids 3D and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And really, really with those three movies, that move became so crucial for him and, and, and really affects not only the narrative of him personally, but also and professionally, but also affects um, those next three movies uh, in a massive, massive way. So that's all we have for the faculty. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, please uh, check out our latest experiments in uh, in the Robert Rodriguez method where I go out and try to shoot things El Mariachi style um, on the Hitchcock University YouTube channel. There's also links and other news on uh, on our social media on Hitchcock University Facebook page and on Twitter. Our handle is at Hitchcock, no, at Hitch underscore U, as in university. Please, uh, if you like what you're listening to, or if you don't like what you're listening to, that's fine too. Um, you can give us a like, a rating, a comment, a review, uh, wherever it is you, you get the show, whether that's Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, SoundCloud, whatever. I want to thank you all again for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. I've been Taylor Bickle. And I will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks very much.